Welcome to the Messianic Media Podcast, a discussion of Messianic, Christian, and secular artistic works with David and Mark. Welcome to the Messianic Media Podcast, a discussion of Messianic music, video, and art. I'm David Kasdan, a Messianic Jewish filmmaker, artist, and musician. I'm here talking to Michael Hunt of the band Downpour. Um, This is the second part of the interview. Now, we mentioned it in the previous interview, but we didn't get into the story. Um, How did you meet uh, your bandmates, and how did the band Downpour start? (laughs) That, that, that's that's a really cool story um how that even transpired i mean when i think when i go back and think of it I, i'm just at all how god works um you know i've always been a guitar player um you know, been playing guitar for a long time very comfortable at playing guitar um on stage you know i've played in front of many 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 people and uh, you know it's just one of the it's just a comfort zone for me um and when i first when I first decided, you know, that, that I needed to, to change my life and that I wanted to accept the Lord in my life completely and, and live out His ways, um, I started going to this local church around here. And, um, and you know, I, I really didn't know what was in store for me. At the time, I was still in a secular cover band, and, you know, it was a, a transitional period for me. Uh, and that's when I realized, you know, I, I was kind of trying to, next thing I know, I was on the church's praise team and, you know, so I was playing a secular cover band, church's praise team, and and uh, that was kind of sort of the thing. And and um, and the first Sunday or first couple Sundays I went to church, you know, I remember I told you in the first interview that I just didn't have it in me anymore to write music. Uh, there was just no, you know, it just seemed like it took everything I had to just to pull out the ideas and get the, the lyrics on paper and just really have a concrete idea, okay, this is going to be a song. Uh, when I first started going to the church, the first couple times I went to church, uh, I'd come home from church and sit in my in my studio uh, on on a Sunday afternoon. And man, I want to tell you, within the first two weeks of me going to church, songs were coming out of me left and right, and uh, they were all songs about God, just singing to God. I mean, you know, when when whenever you when a lot of people that had that first born again experience. You know, there's, you know, God talks about in the Bible, return back to that first love. You had that first love. It's just a new thing. It's, it's something that is really refreshing. It's new. It's exciting. And you just want to, you just want to live it all day long and all night. And, and, you know, so I'm sitting there singing these songs and writing these songs. And it's like, wow, I mean, here I've been trying to write songs and I can't write them. And now all of a sudden I'm writing songs. And, uh, but there was one problem. The, The problem was I was, singing these songs and i had really practiced my vocals in a really long time so i kind of sounded like a uh you know a, a, a you know somebody stepping on a cat kind of you know <laughs> very very pitchy and you know very wobbly not very strong with my voice at all and you know my wife she's very uh she's very direct and she's very truthful and and, and you know I can ask her, hey, what do you think and she's going to tell me whether it's good or bad and and she just kind of she didn't really even my son was like, "Yeah, you're you're you sound terrible, Dad." And 
And so, um, you know, it's, it's like the spirit was just speaking to me and said, you know what, I want you to take some voice lessons. And I'm sitting there thinking to myself, man, who am I going to take voice lessons from? I'm kind of embarrassed about that. You know, I've never, you know, guitar lessons, yeah, but voice lessons, come on, are you really serious? Uh, so it's kind of like a little battle in my head. But yet, this, uh, for sure, the spirit was saying to me, take voice lessons. Uh, so I started driving down uh, our highway, Highway 210. And, uh, you know, I've been driving down this road for five years. And uh, ever since I've lived off this road, I've been driving down this road for five years, never really paid no mind to this. But with this particular day, I decided to drive. I'm heading out my way. And uh, there's this huge sign. I mean, this sign is about five foot by eight foot. You know, I mean, almost a big sheet of plywood it says vocal lessons. And, uh, and it has the big number in the number in big, bold uh, numbers. And I'm like, well, okay. Well, let me give it a call. So I, I called the number up, and I left this lady a message, and, uh, you know, didn't pay it no mind. I actually forgot that I called the number, and I was actually on my way up to Fayetteville, North Carolina, to play a show in the, in the band that I was in. And this lady calls me back, and she goes, yeah, this is so-and-so from Inspired Music Group. And I'm like, okay. And she goes, yeah, you called about taking voice lessons. And I was like, oh, yeah, 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 I sure did. And her question to me was, well, why do you want to take voice lessons? And I kind of just really got quiet all of a sudden. And I didn't know who this person was, uh, you know, at all. And and finally, I just kind of said, well, to be completely honest with you, I think God wants me to do it. And she just kind of, she got quiet and didn't say a word. I was like, oh, no, this lady's going to think I'm nuts, you know, because <laughs> this is the first time I really ever experienced God moving in my life and kind of, you know, you always want to hear God's voice and directing your path. And he was truly directing my path during this moment. And uh, then she responded. She goes, well, do you know who you just called? And I was like, I have no idea who you are. I'm sorry. She goes, well, my, my, my uh, husband, uh, Mr. John Creech, he's the, uh, he's the music minister of the local church. And uh, I was like, okay. I said, well, this has got to be a God thing. So she set up an appointment, and uh, I met with him. The first two meetings was basically just getting to know each other, getting to hear my testimony, and you know, getting to know them, seeing where I was at spiritually. You know, spiritually, I was just a baby growing up really fast. And, um, you know, they were really inspired about my testimony and my story. And, and then finally, the my vocal instructor, John, he, uh, you know, he was like, well, you, you have a natural voice. You know, I like the bright tone. And he goes, we just need to work on this and work on that. Mainly was working on my pitch. And um, he didn't know I played guitar. And then finally he asked, he goes, he goes, uh, yeah, I would love, you know, I've always wanted to put a band together. We just had a hard time finding a guitar player. And I said to him, I said, really? I said, well, man, I play guitar. And he was like, well, well he was kind of like, how good are you? And I was like, well, I guess I'm pretty good. And he was like, well, he's like, well, have you ever heard of um, Lincoln Brewster? I was like, no, nah, I've never heard of Lincoln Brewster. And he goes, well, here, let me, let me listen to some of his stuff. So I started listening to his stuff. He goes, can you play that? I said, yeah, I can play that stuff. No problem, man. And he was like, what? And he just kind of looked at me in bewilderment. He goes, you can play that? I was like, yes, that's really no problem, man. That not Nothing at all. I said, I just need to go home and listen to it. And uh, so I don't know if he believed me or not, but then I put actually uh, did a studio recording on my own, so my own music, brought it to him with some of my guitar work, and he was like, wow. Next thing I know, he set up a meeting. Uh, it was supposed to be a dinner arrangement. I didn't really know what was going on. But he had told me, he goes, man, I've been looking for a guy like you for a really long time that can play guitar and who's a believer and, you know, just been really wanting to do this for a long time. 
And I'll say, hey, I'm I'm all for it if that's what I you know if that's what the Lord wants. I'm all for it. Uh, you know, music's part of my blood. So uh, he uh, arranged this dinner me- uh, sort of meeting uh, with uh, a guy, you know who is my drummer now, Larry, uh, another music uh, a youth pastor, I believe. He was a bass player, and then John and myself, and that was it. It was just us, and uh, we kind of had this little dinner. And I really didn't know what the purpose of the dinner was, other than to meet each other. And, uh, you know, I think they wanted to talk about going forth and maybe starting something. But, you know, they, it never really happened. You know, it never happened at all. And this is the last I really ever heard about it. So I believe there was some procrastination going on there, but nothing really came of it. And uh, the drummer, Larry, uh, who, I, I, like I said, I only met him once. He decided that he wanted to come over to my house one day because uh, he was trying to mentor this young girl who was about 15 years old and bring her up. She was, you know, an uh, aspiring music artist, and she's actually kind of doing her own thing now. Um, she wanted, he wanted to kind of bring her into my studio, kind of show her the equipment, and kind of give her an idea and, and things of, of how you can record your own music and kind of get her going. And uh, when she was here, me and Larry got to talking, and, uh, you know, I, I had been burdened. I had a burden that was laid on me uh, just eating lunch one day out on the job, and uh, I saw a bunch of high school students. And the high school students were all, you know, they were out there just smoking cigarettes and with their friends and this and that. And I looked at my coworker and I was like, you know what? That's how I started. The same, that same way, that's how I started, smoking cigarettes with my friends. And uh, he just kind of looked at me. He's like, what are, you, what are you talking about, Mike? And I said, well, that's how I started. I said, you know, their parents don't even know what they're doing. And let alone, I guarantee you, their parents are not even telling them anything about God. I said, those children... Are gonna are going down the wrong path right now as we speak, and if somebody doesn't intervene, you know they're going to be lost to the, to the kingdom of darkness versus the kingdom of light. And so I had this burden on my heart, you know. I was like, man, you know, somebody's got to do something for uh, about this, you know. And and it brought me back to this uh, this concert when me and my wife first got married. We went to go see Ingve Malmsteen, who was a very popular guitar player back in the '80s, and a band that opened up for him called Lizzie Borden. And I was a big fan of Lizzie Borden, but I didn't realize who they were, what they were all about. And, uh, you know, there was probably three or four hundred people there at this show. And for the first time in my life, my eyes were open to, you know, this is before I got saved, but, but my eyes were open at this point. The guy from Lizzie Borden was sitting there screaming out to the crowd, um, are you ready to sell your souls? And everybody was like, yeah, screaming. And, you know, are you ready to sell your soul for rock and roll? And he just kind of on and on and on and coaxing them into it. And then finally he came out, he's, are you ready to sell your soul to the devil? And, you know, he started screaming and everybody went nuts. And I was like, oh, my God, my, my, I literally tears just started dropping out of my eyes. And I realized at that point in time, those people had just gave their lives and committed their lives to Satan himself. And I was just like, man, I couldn't believe I realized at that point in time what the the enemy is doing with music with our children, how he's taking music and, and he's using it as a tool to bring them into the kingdom of darkness. And so this was being laid on my heart for these, these children that I was seeing out there, you know, outside of this restaurant smoking cigarettes. And when Larry came over to the house, me and him got to talking about it, and he had the exact same burden laid on his heart to raise up the youth, you know, in, in the Messiah. He, he wanted to, to show them a better way, a, a light. And so me and him got together and finally said, well, you know what? 
why don't we do a youth rally? Let's get together and put a band together and let's do a youth rally and do this and do that. And, and, and I'm like, hey, let's go for it, you know. And then um, so me and him got involved. And then my music instructor, John, he got in involved with the keyboards. And the pastor of the church, he got in as acoustic guitar player. The youth pastor of another church got in as a bass player. And um, and that was it. We kind of got together the first time, uh, pre-downpour days. We got together the first time and decided, well, let's learn these songs and these songs and these songs and put this youth band together, uh, you know, for do a youth rally. And uh, actually, the rally was called Jesus is the Rock Rally. And uh, after the first practice, the, the bass player dropped out, uh, the pastor dropped out, and uh, it was just me, the drummer, and the keyboard player. So then we brought in uh, my drummer and a keyboard player, knew Chris, who is our bass player now, brought him in. And then uh, I knew a guy, Sean, who I used to play with on a praise team. I brought him in, and then we brought that young girl that came over to the studio that Larry was showing the music equipment to. We brought her in. So we had three guitar players, a bass player, keyboarders, and a drummer. And uh, that's pretty much how it stayed for a short period of time. And then... You know, the Lord started whittling the band down. We did the Jesus is the Rock rally. John was really busy with, uh, you know, his pastoral duties with as a music minister, and he couldn't commit the time that we needed to commit to get become a tight band. Uh, so he dropped out, and then it was the, the five of us left with the, the girl, the other guy playing guitar, and me on guitar. And then finally Taylor left, and it was just the four of us who was the four that you saw at AMF. And then not too long ago, at the beginning of the year, um, after not too long after AMF, uh, Sean had a, a change of heart, and he decided the Lord was calling him out. And so now we're just a three-piece. And that's kind of how Downpour, Downpour got together. And, uh, you know, the name came about as we had a different name that we were going to choose. And uh, my vocal instructor was reading this book called Downpour. It was about uh, a personal revival, how to, how to bring about personal revival in your life. And uh, I kind of spurred out the idea. I said, well, what about downpour? And uh, then we all contemplated, went to our wives, told her, gave our, everybody we knew the options of the name. And everybody seemed to really like downpour. So that's how we got the name. We stuck with downpour, which is uh, we got the name after a book named downpour, which is about personal revival. Cool. What kind of Christian cover songs were you playing when you started out? Um, man, we were doing a lot of stuff from Hillsong United. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, kind of worship rock stuff. I mean, um, you know, we were doing stuff like you know, we did Jesus Messiah from Chris Tomlin, Mighty to Save, uh, a slew of uh, uh, Hillsong United type of songs. Like um, I, I, mean, I can't even, you know, on our website there's a whole list of them on our website of what we used to do. Um, so there's there's a, a list of what we did. We did some Jeremy Camp. Um, some mer- we, we ended up doing some Mercy Me. We actually started doing some Switchfoot. Uh, we, we tried to bring it into not so much of worship. As we wanted to have both worship and, and not so much worship. But at first was strictly pretty much worship songs like Jesus Messiah, Mighty to Save, uh, uh, One Way, which was done by a Hillsong, and uh, a, a couple of their other songs that we did that was just really popular uh, that we did. And... Uh, and, and one of the, the, I would say the first work that we did as a band, as kind of a semi-original, was this uh, this song. We actually have a video up on uh, on our website. It's called um, "Lord, I Lift Your Name on High." And uh, I was for the first time singing uh, 
a worship service at the church that I was at, and uh, my worship leader came on after me, and she left some lyrics on my on my folder. And I went home and I opened up my folder and there was these lyrics handwritten by her. And I was like, well, these are pretty cool lyrics. Let me put some music to it and surprise her with it. Uh, well, my dad walked in the room. I said, hey, check this out. It's a really cool song. And, and uh, he was like, yeah, that sounds really good because that's, that's so-and-so. And I was like, what do you mean that's so-and-so? No, that, that Scarlett wrote those, those lyrics. He was like, no. You know, see, I, I was new to all this stuff. And, and he was like, no, Scarlett didn't write those. That so-and-so did that. So I looked it up and sure enough, Lincoln Brewster did it. Rick Founds was the original writer. Uh, Maranatha Music Group owned the rights to it. So I'm like, okay. So I remade the song. So uh, I turned on my vocal instructor to it, and he loved it. And the rest of the guys, I turned them on to it, and they loved it. And uh, that became one of the first few songs we did. Was, uh, we did our own remake of Lord, I Lift Your Name on High. Uh, we just called it Lord, I Lift. It kind of had more of that southern rock sort of flavor. And, and uh, it really became a popular song for us for a while. And uh, that was pretty much what we what we did. If you go to our website, you can find a list of all the tunes that we did. But we used to actually start. We actually uh, have a video up of us doing uh, a live from Pod. Uh, we did some uh, Mercy. Have you ever heard that song from Mercy? Uh, I think it's Mercy Me. It's called Move. You got to move. Uh, we no, did I don't that think song. I've heard that. Per- uh, I don't. Think- it's a really cool song. You get a chance to check it out. Check it out. It's an awesome song. But we did that. Um, some stuff from Jeremy Camp. I mean, I like what Jeremy Camp does. Uh, you know, Chris Tomlin. Pretty much your mainstays in, in popular uh, Christian rock today. That's pretty much what we did. Okay, cool. Previously, you were talking about um, recording songs and basically that the CD got recorded pretty quick in anticipation of AMF. Had you played at other Messianic uh, events before um, AMF? No, AMF was kind of like our uh, our breakout moment in the Messianic movement. Um, at first, I didn't think we was going to even be a part of AMF. You know, at first, I was like, "Well, we're just a cover band. How how are we going to be a part of this?" And then uh, and then when all the music started coming forward, you know, I, I had a song that uh, called "One New Man," and uh, it, it, "One New Man" is it, it, it's on our album, and, and it, it has a, a Messianic message for sure. But you know. At the time, we really didn't look so much messianic because our website had all these Christian cover songs on there. You know, we were using words, you know, like One New Man utilizes the word Christ in there. And uh, when I submitted, that was the song I submitted uh, to get into AMF. Uh, But the thing was, you know, your your brother was one of the ones that were kind of looking at all this stuff. But he didn't know all the other music that I had, you know, that we had that, that was coming out. So all he had to go by was just one new man, and he sent me an email, and he was like, well, how is this messianic? And I was like kind of bummed out at first, and I was like, well, uh, I can get his point. You know, he goes, it's truly a messianic a message, but, you know, could we change up that word Christ? And I was like, yeah, there's, there's no problem. I said, you know, we don't even got to do that song. But uh, then I, I emailed him back, and I said, hey, let me apologize to you because uh, it's, it's my fault, the reason why we don't appeal to you as a messianic band because of the, you know, we was just kind of making. I mean, God was really just starting to transition us over at that point in time. And at first, I wasn't going to apply for AMF, but it was one of those things. Have you ever had that feeling in you that this is something you've got to do, and you don't have rest until you do it? You know, that was how I felt, and I, I just knew that I had to submit something to the core team of AMF. And that was the song that I had to submit. And then, well, Aaron finally replied back to me. He goes. 
well, sure, we'd like to listen to your other stuff. And I sent them the lyrics and everything else. And, and um, you know, he after they looked at it, you know, you know, after, I guess, many months of contemplating who was going to play or whatnot, they invited us to come in and play. And uh, so I was kind of really stoked about that whole thing. I was like, cool, we're going to go play to AMF. You know, I was like, I don't really know what I was expecting, but it seemed really cool to me, you know. And, uh, and, and you know, the, the thing is, the Messianic movement has really embraced downpour uh, more than I had ever thought that they would, you know. And uh, that moment that we played at AMF uh, was really, you know, it, to me it was very magical. It was, um, you know, we were scheduled to be the third band to play that day. And when we were scheduled in to play on a Thursday afternoon, you know, our original time slot was supposed to be like 5, 5.30 or 6 o'clock, something like that, really early. And I'm sitting there thinking to myself, you know, not too many people are going to get to see us. I don't think we're going to make that much of an impact because, you know, it's, everybody's going to be coming in, setting up their camp and this and this and that. And, you know, I said, well, we'll just go and make the best of it. Well, you know what happened at AMF. You know, we did sound check and, uh, you know, we, we did a song uh, called Death to Life for our sound check. And in that song, you know, in the bridge, it goes, Can you hear the sound of thunder from the clouds upon the horizon? The winds of change are blowing, judgments about the fall. And that's the song that we sang uh, for Soundcheck. And I'm going to tell you, 35 minutes, uh, probably not even that, the sky opened up, hail, wind. I mean, it was like a, I mean, it was almost like a tornado just ripped through that place. Uh, you know, I watched tents being flooded, washed away, flooded out. I had to help our neighbor move their tent up the hill and all their food and their club. I mean, it was just a mess. And I was sitting there thinking to myself, wow, you know, was was it the song that we sang that brought this judgment on the land? But we all realized that God was purifying that land because you know, I don't know if most people know that there was a uh, Druid music festival that happened there, I think, the week or two before that. Uh, so I really believe God was using that rain to cleanse the land. You know, but for us to sing that particular song, and for that to happen and our name to be downpour was no mistake. Uh, you know, God was, I don't think he was using us for the particular, I think he was using the, the idea of the band's name and what he did so nobody would forget, you know, not necessarily remember the band, but not forget what he did that day. Uh, but the cool thing was, you know, that pushed us to a slot where we didn't go on stage to 8 o'clock. And the biggest crowd that would have seen us on Thursday would have been during that time between the time where we had played Jen and Judah had played, and then Jordan Elias had played. It was kind of like, to me, the primetime spot of that evening from 8 o'clock to like 10. And I really believe the Lord was, you know, he was directing the path of that, that whole event. And uh, it was a blessing to us. You know, it's been a blessing to us. We've made so many contacts and met so many people. The Messiah Conference, that that, you know, the whole thing of us getting into the Messiah Conference and playing there for that, their first uh, annual, I think it's going to be an annual thing, uh, you know, uh, Unashamed Music Festival. I, I believe that stemmed directly from us playing the AMF and a little bit of a buzz that we created there, you know, that God actually created. And I think it was cool. You know, the AMF was a, was an awesome time, uh, minus the, the bad weather. But other than that, it was a great time, and I enjoyed every minute of it. For AMF, were you able to stick around for the whole time? Um, was it uh, close to home for you guys? Yeah, I stayed the entire event. Uh, I was there from Thursday morning until Sunday afternoon. Uh, the guys, they played, and then they left. Um, that, they, I guess they were kind of discouraged about the rain and whatnot, but they, uh, 
you know, they played Thursday night and they were intending on staying for some Friday and leave. And then, you know, it was kind of funny if you were there Friday, it started clearing up Friday during the day. And uh, it was around lunchtime. I'm sitting at my tent making food for the family. And here, here are the guys. They're walking up to my tent. And as soon as they got to my tent with me and the, the band was together, it started raining again. <laughs> and it started raining hard. And uh, right then and there, those guys was like, you know, this, this, they just ended up getting in the truck and leaving and went home. And the funny thing was is when they left, it stopped raining. And there was no, the, the weather was pretty decent the rest of the weekend. <laughs> Go figure. Yeah, I, I, but yeah, me and my family, we stayed through the whole event. Uh, yeah, I had a blast. Okay, and uh, how far is, was uh, Asheville from uh, where you guys are from? Uh, I guess it's about three and a half hours. Yeah, it's probably about a three and a half hour drive. Okay, cool. And you guys mentioned uh, you played at the MJA Messiah Conference. Uh, could you tell me a little about that? Yeah, that was... Um, it was hot. <laughs> it was really hot. Uh, it, it was it was really cool. We, we even played like, with, uh, even compared to North Carolina. I seem to remember North Carolina being pretty hot. Yeah. Yeah, North Carolina is pretty hot, and you know I, I you know I work outside a lot. I'm a general contractor, so I know what it's like to be outside and sweating. Uh, so it really was no big deal to me. But uh, it, it, it was, you know, I figured I'm going up north. I'm going to Pennsylvania. It's going to be a little cooler. No, no. It it was about just as hot as it gets in North Carolina in the summertime. So it was it was pretty blistering. You know the uh, there was t- yeah there was twelve acts that played, and um, you know in the morning you had acts like Greg Silverman and uh, Becca Shea played. They were smart. They got their they got their stuff out of the way before it got really hot. And um, you know we we were slated to play I guess about three three thirty in the afternoon. And they kind of put us between a, a guy named Jeremiah and another band, um, I, uh, House of Peace, I believe their name was, who was assigned to um, uh, City of Peace Records, who is a subsidiary of Sony slash Sea of Galilee, uh, Galilee of the Nations uh, record label. Uh, so we were kind of sandwiched in between these guys, and Jeremiah is a rap guy. And if you ever get a chance, go online and search... Uh, Watchman Vision, and he's got a video. I mean, it's an awesome video. I mean, he very well put together. He's got like twenty five thousand hits. Uh, he did it all in Israel. Really, really good. Uh, you know, I'm not a big fan of rap music, but he did a really good job on that. And um, so, outside of that, you know, the you know, we're sitting there thinking, okay, Messiah Conference. You know, wow, this is this is a, a big to do for us. You know, this. Uh, you know, my parents have been going to Messiah Conference for a long time, and they were really excited about it, and you know, so I was excited about it, and you know, being outside, it, you know, they they went and they were they were kind of to me it was like a miniature AMF, you know, they had it together, they had a good stage set up, they had a professional company come in set up the stage, uh, a professional sound system, I mean, it was it was a really good setup, uh, very impressed with the, with the way everything was ran and organized, you know, just the way AMF was ran and organized, very impressed with how. All that was done. You know, you couldn't ask for a better job uh, from AMF to the Messiah Conference. And, um, you know, so that kind of really made it easy. Um, I think the thing was, and and they have made a lot of mentions of this uh, during the, uh, you know, the Unashamed Music Festival, how next year they're going to do things different. Like they're going to put a tent out there for people to stand under because the sun was just, you know, put it to you this way. I'm a dark-skinned guy. 
but my skin got a little red that day. <laughs> and uh, the guy who uh, plays in Hashir, he's a little pale uh, skin guy, and but he was really red that day uh, in the evening. So uh, you can tell that we all got a little burnt. And, uh, you know, the, the, the bad thing was is, is towards the end of the day, uh, you know, it lasted till 5 o'clock. Towards the end of the day, the crowd started going inside because it was just too hot for them out there. Uh, but it, a lot of them still stuck around, you know, and there was more people that saw us than I really thought saw us. But um, uh, other than that, it was, a, it, was a, it was a great experience. The time being there, meeting, I, I ran into a, what I consider a lot of divine appointments that weekend. And just met so many people, like Ron Cantor. I, I didn't know who the guy was. Uh, you know, I know he, I didn't even know he wrote a book. I never heard of the guy. And, uh, you know, I wouldn't listen to some guy preach, uh, named Bernstein, listen to his preaching. And then I, I walked, I ended up seeing him in the, um, in the, uh, area where they sell all the merch. And, uh, you know, I just kind of walked by him and I didn't say nothing. And it's like, to me, the spirit was just saying, you know, won't you go back and, and, and tell that guy what a great job he did on his, on his preaching. So I turned around and I patted him on the shoulder. I said, man, that was an awesome job. And, you know, we started talking and, and things, and then uh, Ron Cantor was standing directly across from me. And, uh, you know, he, he's a little older than me, but he kind of, you know, looks about my age. And uh, we're sitting there talking, and, and then uh, he was like, hey, where are you from? Uh, I was like, well, I'm out of Raleigh, North Carolina. Oh, cool, yeah, I'm from Virginia. Uh, I'm from Richmond. And I was like, oh, yeah, I was born in Virginia Beach. He goes, oh, cool, I was born in DePaul Hospital. I was like, yeah, so was I. He goes, well, you weren't born in May, where he said, no, I was born in March. So there was a lot of similarities, and, I, and uh, he was like, well, hey, go to my website and, and look on my website. Listen to my preaching and tell me which one is better, me or him. And, of course, he was, he was joking, and, and I was like, well, who are you? And he said, well, I'm Ron Cantor. And, uh, you know, I just handed them a bunch of downpour paraphernalia, you know, stickers and business cards and, and, and things of that nature. And uh, so um, he goes, yeah, my book is sitting over there. I said, oh, yeah, yeah. I still didn't really quite know who he was. And then when I went to go sit down for Shabbat dinner, he was doing the blessings over to dinner. And then come to find out that he's a rabbi, and one of the rabbis or so in Tel Aviv, Israel. And then it all started connecting. I was like, oh, that's who Ron Cantor was. So that was just kind of like one of those great divine appointments. And another really big divine appointment I felt was Sandra Brotman. She's, no, the, no. she's the wife of Manny Brotman. Uh, Manny Brotman is one of the founding so-called fathers of the messianic movement um in fact he was one of the people that was honored uh during the torah service at amf when joel chernoff was walking to torah oh, yeah, uh, yeah. and then uh the other uh, another guy i can't remember his name but it was manny brotman's son he was walking to torah in honor of manny because of course manny is not here no more with us so uh they were honoring manny because he was one of the fathers of messianic judaism he's the one that found the messiah conference He's the one that found the Messiah College, you know, uh, and and here it is. You know, I'm sitting there eating dinner, and I'm sitting there thinking to myself, okay, Lord, this is my last night here. What divine appointment do you have for me tonight? You know, I'm just sitting around a bunch of people I don't know, and there's nothing seems like interesting going on. And next thing I know, this guy is asking me, how do you play guitar and sing the way you do? And I, I just kind of looked at him. I was like, how do you know who I am? <laughs> you know, and I was like, I don't know, man. I just I just do what I do. I, you know, so we start talking. And this lady sitting there here listening to what everything I say, and I start talking about AMF, and I said, you know, it's. Um, I said, yeah, the the rabbi of my congregation, Rabbi Seth, uh, he he kind of came up with this whole vision for the AMF, and that's how all that came about, and 
and this and that. And she's sitting there hearing all that. And she was like, yeah, he got that from me and my husband. And I kind of looked at her. I was like, what? Who are you? I, I mean, I didn't know how, idea who she was. Come to find out, there was a couple in our congregation told her to be on a lookout for me. And she didn't even know she was sitting down next to the person that she was supposed to be on the lookout for. And uh, so she's sitting there. And then all of a sudden, she gives me the whole story of who she is. Who she, uh, who her husband was, and beautiful, sweet old lady. I mean, it, it was just, uh, I mean, the way the Lord works, you know, I, I really believe, I don't know what the purpose of all these meetings were, but there were so many people that I met at the Messiah Conference and made connections with uh, on a personal level. And to be in a, you know, amongst all those people in, in a brotherhood, you know, such as the Messianic movement or a body of believers, that are all there for the same reason, you know, you know, raising money for Israel and to feed the poor and, and to learn more about their, their Jewish Messiah. I, I was completely blessed just by being there. And I, I wrote a letter to the YMJA president, uh, Mara, and I said, anytime you need downpour, we're more than happy to do it. I, I was more than blessed by being there. Awesome. Awesome. So how did the logistics work? Uh, you guys drove up in one van or uh, you guys flew in? Uh, Pennsylvania? Uh, no, our bass player had to. Uh, our bass player and our and our drummer drove together uh, because they were just planning on coming up for the day and then leaving. Uh, they they showed up Wednesday night and stayed Thursday and then they left Thursday right after we played. Uh, the bass player uh, had vacation plans with his wife, and me and my wife drove up separately uh, because we wanted to stay the rest of the week. We we wanted to. Uh, you know, we wanted to experience this Messiah conference that everybody had always talked about. And, you know, I, I've never had been to anything like that before. So it was an experience for us. And so, we, yeah, we drove separately. Sometimes it depends on the gig. We'll drive all together with our equipment in, in the back of one of our trucks. But, uh, you know, something like that, the Messiah conference, we ended up driving separately to that. Okay. I'm sure a lot of people will be able to figure out just by looking at it. But in case people don't know... Um what is the symbol that you guys have on the uh, your shirts and your guys's uh, first album? Oh, the uh, the lion. To me, that symbolizes the lion of Judah. Um, you know, when we were trying to come up with the idea for the T-shirt and things, um, you know, we knew we wanted downpour on there, and and we knew we wanted pierced to darkness on there, and we really couldn't uh, come to grips with what we wanted as you know any kind of print. We didn't want to put a picture, a generic picture of some person representing the Messiah because, you know, everybody has their own interpretation, you know, of what he looks like. Blonde hair, blue eye, is, is he dark skin, dark hair, you know. Um, we can only read what we see in the book of Revelations of what he's going to look like when he comes back. So, um, you know, in, in this whole Lion of Judah thing just started coming about, you know, when we was, you know, I was driving down the road one day. And uh, I started thinking, and it just popped in my head, you know, about the album cover. And I started seeing, you know, uh, like claw, like like on the, uh, the original album cover. And, and of course, neither one of us were the artists to kind of be able to pull off what we originally wanted to do. And at the time, we didn't have the money to, to hire somebody to do it. But we wanted the the album cover to be black, and we wanted it to look like a lion was clawing through. Now, like a claw mark was coming through the the album cover with beams of light radiating through the blackness, you know, all up here's to darkness. And, uh, and you know, I wanted to see a silhouette of a, a lion kind of approaching outward 
out of the album cover, you know, to kind of represent the Messiah, the Lion of Judah. And, you know, Pierce of Darkness, we talk about how the lion, you know, and you can hear the lion roaring, you know, the Lion of Judah roaring. Uh, the Messiah is roaring like a lion. So I wanted to kind of put that in a picture on the album cover because we decided, well, maybe that's the, the self-title of the album. We should just self-title it Pierce to Darkness as the title track because we all really like the song and how it came about and, and what, you know, the message behind it. And the whole Lion of Judah to thing to me just kind of represents the Messiah as he's going to come back. He, he's the Lion of Judah. He's no longer the, the suffering servant. He's no longer the lamb that was slain. He's the lion that's going to come roaring, you know, and, and that's what we wanted to portray with, with the, uh, the album cover. And, uh, and, and then with the T-shirt, you know, we, you can't just put a picture of a lion on there and expect that it's going to turn out right without spending a lot of money. So uh, our other guitar player, at first we weren't even going to do a lion on a T-shirt, and then uh, our other guitar player uh, was just kind of doing some searching, and then he sent me uh, a, a mock-up of the T-shirt, and it had a lion on, on there. And I was like, yeah, that's really cool. I didn't think he was going to do the lion, but yeah, that's really cool. But the thing was, when I first pulled up the T-shirt, uh, the graphic that he showed me, I could have sworn I saw some Hebrew writing underneath the, underneath the lion. And I was like, and then I looked again, and there was no Hebrew writing there. And then my wife walked in the door, and she looked at it. She goes, oh, that's cool. It'd be awesome with some Hebrew writing at the bottom. And I emailed my uh, other guitar player. I was like, hey, man, what about some Hebrew writing on the bottom of the lion? And he was like, yeah, that would be awesome. So that was right there was confirmation three. And I'm sitting there thinking, well, what, what kind of Hebrew writing are we going to put? So we decided that uh, after talking to Rabbi Seth and several others, I wanted to put something on there that was going to point the way to Yeshua and that he reigns and that he's the one in charge. So we came up with Yimloch Yeshua, and uh, which you know means Yeshua reigns or, or Yeshua will reign. It depends on the context of how you put the Hebrew. Uh, so we came up with Yimloch Yeshua, and uh, you know it's become very popular. And uh, some some of the shows that we go and we sell the T-shirts, I'll, I'll use this phrase. Uh, I'll use this as a kind of a way to sell the T-shirt. Uh, and talk about, tell people how, you know, this T-shirt can be a walking billboard of evangelism to, to certain people. And it has proven to be just that. You know, our drummer was in an airport wearing the T-shirt. And uh, he had some guy come up to him and say, oh, man, that's Hebrew writing on the bottom of that T-shirt. That's so cool. You know, my wife is Jewish. What? Or, or his girlfriend. And he goes, yeah, my girlfriend is Jewish. What, is the, what does that mean? And, he's, and basically he said, well, it just means Jesus reigns. And he's oh, that's awesome, man. I'm going to tell my, my girlfriend about it. So we don't know what the <laughs> Lord did with that. But, you know, that's kind of cool how, you know, just out of it. And to me, the whole design of the T-shirt was to draw. We wanted something that was going to first capture the eye, you know, because, you know, we're all visual people. We, uh, we wanted something that was going to capture the eye. And we felt like this big lion on the T-shirt was going to do just that. And then it would draw you in and you would see, see those Hebrew writings. And then if you didn't know what the Hebrew was, you might be compelled to ask, hey, what is that writing that's on the T-shirt? And you just open up the door to evangelize somebody. Or if a Jew uh, sees that T-shirt and sees the Hebrew writing and, and is curious about it, again, you just open up a pathway to, to, to speak the word to this person, you know, that potentially doesn't know any better. So uh, I thought it was a great idea. And that's where the whole lion came from. I don't know if we're going to continue using it, but... Uh, right now, it's just kind of been the whole theme behind Pierce to Darkness. 
Well, that's really cool. Are you guys pl planning to play in the future both at uh, secular clubs and at Messianic events? Oh, yeah, as far as uh, our future, I mean, we've been doing a lot of playing around this year, period. And uh, we're open and willing to go anywhere that God opens doors. You know, we, we all have a, a strong desire to want to go to Israel and play there. Uh, you know, we know that the desires of our heart, the desires that are laid on our heart are laid on our heart by the Lord. So it is, that's got to be a godly thing there. But we all have a desire to go there and play. Um, any messianic event that uh, anybody wants us to play at, all they got to do is contact us. And more than likely, unless it's just some crazy thing that we can't do, then we will be there. Uh, as far as playing secular venues, yes, we would love to continue to do that, to, uh, to venture out farther into that. Uh, I really believe that's a strong point for our ministry. I, I believe Downpour's ministry uh, is multifaceted. You know, at first I thought it was just all for the youth. You know, to, to encourage the youth and, and show them, be an example. You know, the, the older generation is supposed to be an example for the younger generation and, and uh, to teach them in the ways that they should go. So I, I really believe that's one of Downpour's ministries. And But then as we've grown, I realize also uh, that we're, we're, we have a foot in the Messianic world and we have a foot in the Christian world. And, and I believe to some extent there's, we're, we're, can be somewhat of a bridge between the two worlds. Me being a Messianic Jew, I can go into these Christian venues and teach them a little bit about Messianic Judaism because you know there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of misunderstanding about a lot of that. And uh, so I use the opportunity to to teach them, you know, because when I use words like Yeshua, uh, you know, a lot of places you go, they don't really get it. They don't understand what you're saying. Some people have never heard that word before. So it gives me an opportunity to kind of teach them, hey, there, there's a movement out there of Jewish people coming to salvation through Yeshua. And, and they're staying Jews. They're not becoming Christians. They're staying Jews as, as God had intended them to be. You know, and uh, so it's really kind of a cool ministry how that's working. So I see kind of a, a gap bridging, if you will, sort of speak. You know, I, I really truly believe the only way that the gap is truly going to be bridged and, and mend together and we really become unified as a body is when Messiah is sitting on the throne here on earth. You know, when he's sitting on the throne and ruling the nations with an iron rod, that's when we're going to see it all come together. I, I, I don't think man himself is capable of doing it, but we can try our best and, and try to, to, to unite the bodies. You know, so, you know, you have the youth, you have the uniting, the unification of the bodies. And then, uh, and then the, the newer one the, where he has stretched us a little farther is going out into the secular venues where I believe that's a very good place for downpour to go because we have some songs, you know, we do like old remakes of Jimi Hendrix Fire. We change the lyrics around the, the point to, to Yeshua. Uh, we do remakes of Knocking on Heaven's Door from Bob Dylan. Again, we change all the lyrics around the, the point to Yeshua, uh, how, he, how he gave uh, his life for our sins. So they can connect with those sort of things. So I really believe that's an important part for downpour. So yes, we, we plan on doing all these things uh, staying in the secular world as much as we can. We don't want to become a secular-sounding band by no means. We want to continue being who we are, uh, but being in the secular world as a light, we want to continue playing uh, for the Messianic movement. We, we hope that we can gain even more popularity through, through my Messianic brothers and sisters. Uh, I hope we can gain more popularity there, and I hope we can do even more for the Messianic movement. Um, and at the same time, it, I think it's... The hardest thing for us has been actually going into the Christian world. Uh, 
it, you know, it doesn't seem that the Christians, uh, the Christian world is, is accepting us as much as some other bands, you know, and it might be because we're a little different, but there are those who are accepting it and they, and they encourage it and they, they like it. But uh, I believe there's a little bit of, of something there that's kind of, uh, you know, the, the Messianic movement has definitely embraced us more so than the, than the church movement has. But we are going to continue in doing all those things. Okay, so we'll close out um, this section of the podcast with one of your harder songs. Um, what's a good example of that? Uh, one in a Million is um, it's, it's actually a song, kind of a personal testimony of mine. You know, how I lived in the world the way I wanted to live and, and, and you know, and how I realized it and I returned, I returned to the Lord, I returned to Yeshua and he gave his life for, for us. You know, and I like to tell people at our shows that One in a Million is a song that we should all be able to personalize because you listen to the lyrics. We've all gone through it. We've all lived it. And, uh, you know, even though the scripture is written in general, it's written for each one of us as individuals. And, you know, we're just millions of people in this world. And we're one of those millions of people that he gave his life for. Um, and so when, when you, people have heard us do that song live, uh, they have come to me and they can, they said, you know, that song, you really have a lot of passion and soul in that song when, when you do it live. I don't think that passion and soul comes across as, as good as I wanted it to on the CD. Uh, but, you know, live, they, they really, they really feel it. And, uh, you know, and you know, it's true. It is kind of a personal testimony, and I think everybody can relate to that song. As far as the sound of the song goes, we always kind of cross-reference it to something like Journey or Foreigner meets uh, some other kind of hard '80s rock band. But it definitely has that '80s sort of '70s flavor to it. Okay, and once again, um, where can we find your CD and music online? And also, how would someone contact you regarding booking? Okay, um, you can pick up our CDs. Um, the best place, you can get them just about anywhere, iTunes, Amazon, but the best place, I would say the easiest, is go straight to our website and go to our web store, and you can purchase a physical or a download. It's the cheapest place online you can get it, and that's thedownpourband.com, www.thedownpourband.com. Uh, also, check us out on Facebook and, and like us uh, via, you know, on our fan page, which is Facebook, The Downpour Band. Um, if you're interested in contacting Downpour as far as playing any shows, you can, again, go directly to our website, thedownpourband.com, and there's a contact page in that when you fill out that contact information, the email will come directly to my cell phone. Um, that's one way. Also, con connecting with us through Facebook is another way. So either one of those ways will work for us. Okay, excellent. And here is a song, um, One in a Million by Downpour, and... Um, it's available on thedownpourband.com, and we'll continue with part three of this interview. Awesome.
Right now, also, future-wise, we're getting ready to start writing for our new CD, um, which I'm not going to give any dates when it's going to come out. Right. I'm, I'm thinking about maybe another year or so. We, we're, you know, the first CD, we, we really, I, I don't feel like we rushed it, but in all terms and respect, we did rush it. You know, I mean, it was three months to, I mean, I don't know any bands that do that. You know, three months to write. I mean, we wrote all the songs in a month, and we recorded them in a month. We mixed them down and mastered it within two weeks. You know, to me, to do a full-length album like that, some of these bands are spending a year on. Uh, so this next album, we're actually going to start writing now. We have a lot of ideas, a lot of music, some more messianic. Uh, I have more messianic flavor songs that, are, that I have, uh, worship songs. We, uh, we want to do a little bit more worshipful stuff. And we also want to get a little bit more to the secular sounding side as well to do that, you know, to kind of be that switch foot, but in the messianic world to kind of be able to tap out there uh, a little bit. So we do have some things that are, are probably going to cross over from from what I'm seeing. But uh, we're just now starting to get the urge and in, in the fever to write again. Uh, well, the writing has been going on, but to actually sit down as a, a core group and write together, we've been starting to get that urge again. So I, I'm thinking the rest of this year we're going to start slowly writing again <clears throat> and i'm hoping by um 
I, you know, I'm hoping by the end of next summer we're ready to start putting another album out, put it together, record it, and put putting it out there. Um, you know, the, the thing is about <clears throat> the, the album we put out now is really only a year old. We had just put it out, and we'd really like to see more sales <laughs> of that album. You know, it's, I heard you in your uh, your interview that you and um, your guitar player was, was was doing, I think, a week or two ago, talking about how to, how to get your music out there, how to get it sold, and you know, that's really the hardest thing. You know, putting the music together is, is easy, um, especially, you know, when you're doing it for God. It's just really, really easy. But it's, it's the fact of getting people behind you, <clears throat> building that uh, uh, loyal fan base, uh, building and getting people to stand behind it, and then uh, the marketing, getting the music out there, getting people to buy your music. Because let's face it, it's, uh, if you want to put out a good product, you got to spend the money on it. And if you don't have the, if you're not selling the, the merchandise, then it's hard to keep on doing it. But, you know, we put it in God's hands and, uh, you know, we've sold, we, I, I wish we have sold more, but we have definitely sold a good amount of CDs, um, <clears throat> probably more than any other band that I've been in at this point. But uh, I'm expecting bigger and better things. Yeah, I mean, it's tough. I mean, I uh, personally, I mean, I, I know that you guys have sold, or I can kind of have the idea that you guys have sold uh, much more than than me but you know it's it's stuff that's you know it's it's always tough to like make um something that's even covering the time you know it's it's, it's work just to break even and then that's not even factoring you know the time and the hours you spend in and then you know it's a lot of work to do a show and the show you know the shows you know sells the cds but you know it's you have to factor in that you uh had all those travel expenses yeah, you're definitely as a band. Um, unless you can, unless you can, you know, you're selling a lot of albums, and you're you're you got to that point where you can do shows that people are going to pay you two, three thousand dollars a show to come and do, you know, at your you know, local synagogue or, or wherever it may be. Um, you know, like people like Paul Wilbur and Joel Chernoff and. And, and Marty get these guys are, are doing, you know, they've been doing it for a long time. Everybody knows who they are. They're getting paid well, and they're selling lots of CDs, uh, you know. But the newer generation is coming up. It's, uh, you know, Misha Getz, she, she seems like she's on a good track to uh, to tap into to what her father has been part of for, for so long. Uh, you know, and, and I have faith it's going to be more and more artists. But, you know, we live in an in a age where it's music is easily obtained you don't have to buy music anymore to hear it you know uh you know you don't people are not necessarily buying cds all the time i really believe where, where we sell most of our music is from playing shows yes. if we don't play we're not selling and that, that's kind of what i've seen yeah and that's what it's like with my band um and that's a th that's the thing is that we're you know because of the logistics and things we're not playing and so we're not selling you know i mean we're selling the a little, but yeah, I mean, at the very least, it's, you know, it's it's easy to find music online. You know, for better or for worse, it's a little harder to find uh, Messianic Jewish rock with a little edge to it. So hopefully we have that, but also, you know, you have the the local following to to help as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I think it's, uh, I mean, I've heard so many staples on our on our music. It's, it's crazy. I mean, I've heard uh, from Rabbi Matt Ro Rosenberg himself called us '80s messianic, you know. Which, uh, you know, I, I, that's cool. And then uh, 
you know, then on the interview with you, uh, I think his name is I, is I Bears, right? Uh, yeah. From Mahad Records. He associated us with the band Live meets Joel Chernoff, which completely blew my mind. You know, I was like, and I had to think for a second. I was like, who is Live? And uh, so I did a web search. I said, oh, yeah, I remember that band. That's that band that did that song Lightning Crashes. And I was, I didn't know how he got that, but you know, hey, that's what he hears. That that's cool. He's making a connection. And then the newest is when we was at the Messiah conference. This guy came up to me out of the blue and said, "Man, I took a bunch of pictures of you guys. I want to make you look like rock stars and this and that." And he goes, "Man, I dig that messianic Southern rock." <laughs> so, <laughs> so I'm like, "Okay, we've been called Southern rock, messianic rock, and we've been called Live meets Joel Chernoff." I said, "We must be doing something right because we're seen to appeal to." different genres of people which is what i've always aspired to do as an artist i don't ever want to be trapped in this one niche saying oh these guys are just this this all they do you know they you know i, I mean i like the idea of being rock there's a softer side to us as well you know, people just haven't heard it there's a softer side to me um there's uh and there's definitely the rock i mean we all are born and bred on on rock so that's going to come out, and uh, I think it's important, you know, to have the different styles of music. And, and like you said, you know, other than you guys, I don't know if Messianic music has had anything more edgier than uh, the Pear Republic, or or uh, I get was Netzer, uh, Netzer kind of a, a Messianic flavor sort of thing. Yeah, Netzer was Messianic. It was uh, we transitioned. I mean, there's a couple reasons we changed. Um, so Netzer was actually a little harder, I guess, if you. You count that. So it was basically going from, we went from maybe metal influence, um, so it was metal or or like hard rock, to punk and grunge, which is slightly different. I mean, so I don't know if it's necessarily harder or or, or softer, but it was, a, it was a genre change as long, and in addition to a singer change, and, um, you know, and we wanted to have a name that was easy to find online so that's why we changed the name when we did that right right and and see i, I think it's just it's so important i mean because uh the younger i mean to tell you the truth you know the younger generation that are not the 20s but like in the teens and stuff in the messianic movement they really seem to be digging downpour uh and even the younger generation younger than the teens the ones who are like seven eight nine years old we did a show uh, at our at, at our synagogue, Shire Shalom, and the children there loved it. I mean, you can see future fans right there, and I, I was just like, you know, this this is really cool, you know, because maybe you know, you know, and what I find really amazing too is even I see the older generation, people who are in their sixties and their seventies, digging downpour, you know. So I'm I'm seeing us crossing through a, a wide range of, of uh, a big generation. You know, of age groups, you know, that you get, you have the younger ones and, and then you have the people who are my age and, and you know, the, the people who are older than me and then the, the senior generation. I'm seeing it come together and, and Downpour seems to be making connections with every single one of those groups. And, you know, maybe not the, the older group might not like all of our songs, but they might like this one. They might like that one, you know, or, you know, and then the younger group might like this one. And that's OK. You know, you can't expect everybody to like every one of your songs. Um, I don't like every one of the songs that I hear from every artist. You know, I might like one or two songs, and and that might be it. Very rarely do I find an artist I like everything they do. Um, but I think it's kind of important to me. I like the idea of being able to 
be a different band on the same CD. You know, you do this song and you sound like, like I know on our CD, you got Pierce to Darkness, One in a Million, and Lamb of God. To me, you can nestle those all into a same category type of genre, you know, a, a, a sound. And then you have uh, like Shine Your Light and Strip Off the Me. Those two songs kind of go together in a certain genre of sound. And and then you have uh, then you, then you have other songs like Depth Life to Time is I mean completely to me it's just like on its own it's a little jazz influence there if, you know a little bit of jazzy kind of uh, flavor to it so I see in our even on our own CD we have a lot of different sounds and styles and you can group you know it's, it's like a, a grouping process that you can actually do and so maybe that's why we're connecting with others I, I hope the next CD kind of turns out the same way. Uh, I do know on the next CD, I want to do a little bit more uh, easier kind of worship songs. Not so, there's de definitely going to be the hard rock and stuff, but I definitely want to, to tone it down a little bit and to, uh, <clears throat> you know, I mean, I, I love songs like New Jerusalem on our on our album. You know, to me, it's just a very good worship, time to worship. You know, it's a slower song. It's not as edgier as the rest of our songs. But that, when we play that song in Worshippers Kaddish live, you know, have you ever been live playing on stage and you just feel like, you know, you get this anxious sort of feeling and things are just moving so fast and, you know, you wish things would slow down a little bit and you start having some technical problems here and there <laughs> and, you know, you're kind of wondering, oh, Lord, what's going on? Well, New Jerusalem, when I group, when we group New Jerusalem and Worshippers Kaddish together in a set and, and, we start to feel that sort of thing go on. When we get into New Jerusalem and Worshippers Kaddish, all of a sudden everything slows down. I mean, it slows down. It gives us time to think, uh, you know, to regroup. And and I really feel, to me, I really feel like God's spirit just coming, coming down on us and just really being with us and saying, you know what, guys, I've got this. Just just relax and let me take over. You know, because when you're first up there, you know, you're worried about all these things. Oh, oh is my guitar in tune? You know, am I going to sing on pitch? Uh, you know, all these things start going through your head because you want to give the best performance you can. Uh, you know, because I, I look at every aspect I do in life is you do all things as you're doing it onto the Lord. And, you know, when you're going out there and playing music, I believe you need to go out there and be the best as you possibly can be because you're representing him. You know, you're you're the warriors on the front line. I, I, the musicians in God's world is the warriors. We're the, we're the ones who are on the front line. We're the infantry, so to speak. And 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 I always have kind of looked at it that way. We're the ones that, that start the warfare, and we got to be. You know, it says in the Word of God that we, you know, bring the best musicians to the front. And uh, I really believe, as a musician, that we need to be the best we possibly can because we're on that front line. And so when you're up on stage. And, and things, you know, just really are, especially when you're doing like a music festival, uh, like AMF or, or the Messiah Conference, you're, you got to get on the stage and off the stage as fast as possible. You don't have the luxury of setting up your backing tracks like you would have in a normal show and, and things of that. You know, you have a small window to get it done. And if things are not happening right, you know, you have a tendency to kind of tense up a little bit and freak out a little. And so that kind of goes into your playing and then. You know, it takes a good worship song to really kind of pull you out of that. And I really want to, I, I really, I really feel like there's some, some deeper worship in downpour that, that we're, I feel like we should do and that we will do. But there's definitely, from what I'm hearing and what we just started working on there, I'll give you a little hint of a song 
Uh, this one is um, it's going to be called Sunday Morning Hypocrite. So you can kind of get an idea what the song is going to be about just by the title. And it's, uh, it's a very rocking, kind of a la Van Halen sort of sound. Oh, awesome. No, I'm, I'm really excited for that, um, you know, in future projects. I do like how you incorporate, uh, you know, hard rock and, and worship. It's it's a little bit of a challenge, though. With, you know, with my band, we, with Netzer, we were originally trying to do uh, both of those. We decided to have a hard rock band, and we decided to have a, a worship band. Uh, but I think we had a a wider difference between the songs than, than you guys have. And I... But it is nice. I, I did notice when in our concerts, we, even if we weren't drawing as many of the, the young kids or the older people, that we did get uh, appreciation, um, you know, from a wide variety of ranges. And I think it's good to not assume that you only need to target the high school kids or people in their 20s, uh, you know, with your sound. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, I, I kind of look at music this way. Um, you know, in the secular world, you know, you hear what's on the radio. They're they're all pinpointing a particular sound, a style that they know is successful, and a formula that's going to work. Uh, me as a musician, uh, I feel like you just need to do what you do. Uh, don't worry about targeting a certain group, uh, age group, because if you spend your time worrying about, okay, well, what is this age group going to think of this sound? You know, I need to be more like this, or they would really like me, or or the older age group, I need to be more like this so they would like me. And I, you know, I would just say for, for us, whatever it is the sound that comes out is what we're going to do. Whether it ends up sounding like Southern rock, whether it sounds like uh, you know, speed metal, you know, hard rock, whatever the sound is, um, you know, I'm just kind of bound to, to doing that, to, to kind of like pleasing our own self with their music. You know what I mean? And then, and then you're going to kind of group the fans that like you are going to like you regardless. And, and I think that's kind of the approach that Downpour has taken. We haven't really necessarily targeted uh, this group or that group or, or, or a specific age group. We just kind of just, you know, within Downpour, there is three different generations in our band. You know, our drummer being the oldest, the bass player, the next in line, and then me. Between us, the three of us alone, uh, we span music from the 60s on into today. So we're, we're drawing from a very wide collective of, 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 of sounds from, of, of rock, you know, from 60s rock, 70s, 80s, 90s, and 2000. Uh, I'd say after 2000s, man, I just kind of tapped out of the whole secular <laughs> music scene. You know, it just, kinda, it just started all sounding regurgitated to me. Well, I think it happens. I mean, for me, it's basically when I stopped having the time to listen to the radio. But on one hand, you can say that you remember the the good songs from a particular era and for, kind of forget the rest. But I, I can understand that. Yeah, every time I get a chance, man, I'm trying to, uh, you know, every time I see a podcast pop up, I share it with everybody that we know. And I've had some uh, people from Shy Ray end up listening to it. They didn't even know it existed, you know, it, Oh, well, who's David Cass? Well, don't you know, you remember Aaron, right? But it's his brother. <laughs> Hello. Oh, yeah, David Cass. And yeah, okay, cool. So, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to help you out what what I can do on this side, this neck of the woods, you know. So, uh, but, you know, if you ever want to do something like this again, maybe next time I, I can get the rest of the guys in here and you, you do an interview with all three of us. Oh, yeah. Um, 
And yeah, probably. I mean, you're good for quite a while, you know. Um, but yeah, no, cool. it, it sounds. But that sounds great, and yeah, we could we can try and coordinate something with that. It's a little harder with uh, multiple, you know, people. You know, I mean, it's well, or at least in technologically, you know, besides the schedule part, you know. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. I mean, that would be the big thing. Is that they? I mean, I could get them all over here at the house, and you know, they can right. all be here with me, and that way we're just on one computer. But all right. That, That'd be the juggle right there is getting everybody under the same roof at the same time. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, on a personal note, and this, uh, I won't re record this or anything. So I've still been trying to, like, do, like, a, you know, a legitimate tour with my band. But it's just, it's hard. I mean, it, first, I mean, you guys have the, you know, are kind of the draw to do a, a you know, and then you the appeal with the the secular artists i mean secular clubs and stuff but other than that it's hard to you know do a tour with at you know messian congregations because it's hard to do the midweek stuff and it's hard to you know basically you, go ahead yeah you, you, it's almost like you got um you know like 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 i said i mean joel Chernoff came to shaw race alone and i know he got every bit of twenty five hundred dollars to come and do his thing yeah uh, you know, that, and that's awesome, and that's how he can. That's, that's how he's able to do it. But realistically, for guys like me and you who have a, a, a day job that you know pays the bills and puts uh, food in, in the bellies and our families and whatnot, uh, yeah, you, I mean, in order for us to go on like a tour to do a, a messianic, uh, you know, like messianic congregation, there's got to be some sort of compensation. You know, I mean, we played Shah Ray Shalom, and uh, I wasn't expecting anything. But after we got done playing, I mean, we went there and played six songs, and Seth gave us five hundred bucks, and uh, and he was a he was actually a little discouraged because he found out that the people at the Messiah Conference was it com wasn't compensating us for anything. Yeah, you know, so he was a little discouraged about that. So maybe that's why he gave us the five hundred dollars to kind of help fund our trip up there. I don't know, but you know, I, I think. Um, you know, if you can do that, you know, you can talk to these congregations that be willing to give up some money or at least a love offering and make sure you can walk out of there with at least $500 to pay your expenses. You know, right. that's the only way you can do it. You know, otherwise, how can you do it? No, and I mean, obviously that is that is a little tough, you know. Um, so, yeah, that's basically, uh, you know, and like I said, Charay's, you know, going to be the exception or, you know, my dad's congregation and or uh, Beth Messiah and Columbus are the exception because, you know, I mean, first you have the personal connection and and those are, you know, I think just particular examples, but it's a, it's a little hard. But, yeah, I mean, ideally, you know, and I, I never know my summer plans, but, uh, you know, maybe we could do, you know, some... That would be awesome to do some kind of tour, you know, and we'd be able to do a full, you know, a full-on concert with the two bands, you know. Yeah, that ever I mean, happened. yeah, it'd definitely be awesome to uh, to try to do something with you guys, man. Uh, even whether, even if whether we was able to put one or two shows together where we can, you know, us come your way one time and you guys come this way sometime. Uh, the, the problem with these secular venues is, you know, most of the time you don't get paid in those venues either unless you have a really big draw. And, right. You know, um, the thing is about Shah Ray Shalom, they don't really have a huge youth uh, program there, per se. You know, there's not a lot of, uh, you know, I mean, if, if we was to do a concert like somewhere like Shah Ray Shalom, uh, I'm sure that the people of the congregation would come and support it. Right. You know, they would come and support it, and uh, whether how much money they would be able to give to us or something like that, I, I don't know. But I, I think that, you know, 
I mean, you see guys like Ted Pierce. Uh, I've seen, he's come to Shire Ray Shalom before, and so has uh, Joel Chernoff. Paul Wilbur has never come to Shire Ray Shalom. I, I don't know why, but he has played his Baptist church down the road from us that packed a whole lot more people in there. <laughs> Maybe well, that, it has something to do with the tent. That does answer the question. I mean, I, certainly I have seen like Ted Pierce and uh, and Joel Chernoff and stuff. Like they'll come into town and then they'll be playing the churches and stuff. I mean, they've played at the you know. My dad's Messianic synagogue, for example, but that's the thing is that the the churches will bring the draw to cover the fees, you know. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, it it will be nice. You know, um, you know, I don't know how much you're in touch with uh, Messianic. Um, uh, what is it? Messianic magazine. What what is, what, are, what is it called, man? Uh, Messianic Times magazine. Um, but I've met uh, Eric Tockager, who I think is the publisher. Yeah. Or somebody over there. And basically, he told me anytime you have an event going on, or uh, yeah, I mean, he'll, he'll, I've talked to him too, and I think I met him. I mean, he'll he'll do that for promoting and stuff, but it goes up on the blog. It's not the unless we get super super in advance, it's not going to be in the paper and stuff. But you know, so a few people, some people will read about it. You know, yeah, he'll only do it online, and then then of course you had the option to pay for some advertisement, like right. if you you know releasing your CD and stuff, and you know, so I've been keeping that in the back of my mind, but. Yeah, it would definitely be nice, man, of the, uh, you know, to be able to get to that point where we can do some sort of tour like that, different congregations, even in some churches and stuff. And it's just really hard. I, I think it's going to be really hard for bands like us to break into a church scene because you know what I've seen in churches here lately is they're bringing in these Christian acts that, to me, do not even sound like they're Christians, you know, and uh, I, I don't hear them exalting God whatsoever, and they're bringing the... I really believe that the church is in a bad state, man, and they're bringing in, they're, they're becoming more socialized, and they're starting to become more accepting of these worldly things, you know, even accepting around here, um, some of these pastors are accepting homosexuals, you know, I, I don't think there's nothing wrong having a homosexual come into the church that they may be taught the, the truth, but to accept them and their spouse, you know, per se, to kind of come in and say, hey, it's okay for you to, to be gay here in our sanctuary. You know, there's a lot of pastors starting to give up on that. You know, they're starting to uh, to indulge in it, you know, and, and I think it's, it's the wrong direction, and we're send, sending the wrong message to our youth, you know, so it's um, it, it would definitely be nice to do something, you know. Yeah, I mean, there's two options. I mean, well, first, I think that, uh, you know, I mean, obviously that we would have to get, you know, I probably a little church support, especially to cover... You know where we can be doing you know two big major shows a, a weekend, um, so there'd be two possibilities that I'm looking at. Um, first, I'm probably moving to California soon. Okay. So that's I mean obviously that's far away. So it would either be, you know, we, you'd be able to. I mean you'd be the you know I'd certainly help out with the marketing and the and doing the legwork and stuff. But it would mostly using your cachet to uh, book you know. Um, shows like kind of the south you know or you know the the east coast basically by uh you know and the main thing is that you know we wouldn't have my band wouldn't bring that much of a draw but we'd be able to play for you know a full hour or something basically to make it a full show you know I, we wouldn't have to necessarily play for a full hour but basically that that way it's a whole we can market it as a whole event yeah i mean and you know we 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 put our own shows together sometimes around here the right. thing is, for me, is if to bring you guys in, I want to make sure that wherever we're playing, we can get some sort of money. So that way, you know, your right. your 
being compensated for your travels. No, stuff. we would have to get that. I mean, you know, and then obviously that travel cost would be fact have to be factored over several shows. You know, basically to. Yeah, yeah, because, I mean, getting to this side, of, uh, this side of the world is one thing, and then once you're here, it's a little bit easier. But, yeah, that's that, uh, I mean, I, I wouldn't have no qualms coming over to California and playing. Right, uh, and that's the other option, you know, there. I think that <laughs> I have a lot of connections in California, um, you know, well, not, I mean, not a, you know, enough that I could conceivably see that tour, the, but the, then the thing is, is, you know, and you guys would still be the, the main band, but the thing is, you know, seeing if there's enough you know, travel to, I mean, enough to cover the travel expenses or something like that. Right, right, and enough of you guys, because it's, it's more, more, you know, there's, you have more guys than us, you know. Right, right, right. Yeah, I guess the, the biggest thing is, is getting the name of the bands out there and then getting the music out there and promoting it and, and then seeing what kind of response comes off of that. And then, you know, there's a, like, you know, there's a Hope of Israel congregation here in Charlotte, and there's oftentimes I've talked to the, them. I think the uh, the guy who's there on that he's on the praise the youth praise team over there. He actually played at AMF. I can't remember the name of their band. Oh, Generation Hope okay. is the name of their band. And uh, I've talked to him several times about going over to Charlotte and doing some things. And he was always like, "Yeah, yeah, let's do it." But then he just yeah, a lot of groups are going to be like that. Yeah, you know, it sounds like uh, we can, you know, talk about some other time, or we can do email or something if you. I feel yeah, like and I'll, I'll keep my eyes up. I'll even I'll even talk to Seth and see if he's gotten any ideas. You right. Know, he's well connected in the messianic. Well, yeah, I'm sure you're well connected in the messianic ministries too. I mean, to me, you know, I've only been I've only been involved with messianic. You know, I mean, dude, I gave my life up to the Lord probably four years ago. You know, I've always known about God, and I've always, you know, had a, a passion. And you know, in, in the early in the early nineties, I always studied about God, and you know, I believed Jesus was Messiah at that point in time too. But I didn't fully commit my life until about four years ago. You know, four yeah, about four or five years ago. And uh, when I met Aaron for the first time, he had told me the same thing. He goes, yeah, man, I just kind of gave my life up to him. About that, that when at the time I met him, I think he had said about four years prior. So I was kind of like, yeah, you know, to me, that the whole messianic move. My mom and dad's been a part of it for the last, man, twenty some years. So, and I'm just kind of coming in and bored of it. So I'm really, it's really like the Lord is just kind of steamrolling me through there, and I'm starting to meet a lot of people. And you know, every chance I get, I give out stickers or business cards or whatever I can, especially at the Messiah Conference. Because you never know, you make that connection. Somebody will call you, hey. Can you guys play so and so? Well, yeah, sure. Why not? And then you know, at the same time, it's gonna be like, well, hey, have you uh, talked to the guys from Pair Republic? You ever heard of them? You know, kind of rubbing each other's backs a little bit, and and um, kind of helping each other get our foots in the door in other in in our own areas. And and that's what we try to do with some of these younger Christian bands as well. Is uh, when they they're up and coming, we bring them along with us and say, hey, you guys can play with us. Uh, but the one downside to all that is, is after we kind of get them going, they never return the favor. <laughs> yeah. <You know? laughs> they, they never say, hey, downpour, you guys want to. And, and maybe they, they do it because they feel like, well, those guys are, you know, some of, the, some of these bands, they really look up to us like we're pros, you know. And I mean, you know, as far as the musicianship goes and the way we try to carry ourselves, yeah, I, I expect us to be on a professional level. 
But as far as playing shows and stuff like that, I don't consider us no different than any of these other bands. We're all trying to make a, a mark out there. And, uh, you know, and, and but I think a lot of some of these younger bands that we bring in when they do a show, uh, maybe they feel a little strange about saying, hey, Downpour, will you guys come and open up a show for us? But, you know, we'd be more than happy to do it. Yeah. You know? we, we've done it before. And, and sometimes, you know, we just did a show up in uh, Statesville, North Carolina. And uh, I, I because we were going to a place I didn't know, uh, well, we've been there once, but we didn't, knew we didn't have no draw. I actually opted to open up the show and play first, which was probably the best thing we ever did because, you know, you, you don't know. Sometimes the first band might run the crowd off for you. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But, but yeah, let's, uh, let's definitely keep the communication open as far as that's concerned. And, you know, Seth is supposed to be back from Israel uh, in the beginning of the holidays, so... I'll talk to him a little bit and see if he's got any ideas. Okay. All right, Dave, man. It's been fun. It's been a pleasure. All right. All right. You Take have a care. good one, buddy. Okay. Bye. Okay, so since we've been talking about a little bit more of the worship-type sound on the album and, and how in the future you're uh, planning to incorporate more of the uh, softer type of sounds. Um, what's an example of one of the softer tracks that's on the existing Downpour album? And how can someone get um, a copy of the Downpour album that's currently out? Um, one of my favorites is New Jerusalem. I don't know why. It's just one of my favorites. Maybe not be a favorite of a lot of different people. I mean, it's definitely a good song in my opinion, but I would say New Jerusalem, uh, Worshippers Kaddish, obviously, uh, originally penned by Baracha from Baruch Hashem um, in Texas. Uh, she gave us the uh, authority and, and the license to recreate it in the downpour vein. But those two songs are really good worship songs. Um, again, the track One New Man on our album is a, also a really good worship song. Uh, I think, in general, most of all of our songs bring some sort of worship, but if you were looking for a a song to bring you into that that mellow mode of worship, you know, where you just can just, you know, some people would call it basking in the glory of God and just really being able to meditate without all the loud guitars and whatnot. I would say New Jerusalem and Worshippers Kedisha is the, the two that I would listen to. Um, New Jerusalem, um, you know, to me, it, it's a song about the promise that God has made to us. You know, it's uh it's about a place where there's no no more sickness, no more disease, there's no more hatred, there's no more crime, there's no more wars, there's no more killing one another. You know, it's it's going to be a, a place of, uh, you know, the sun and the moon won't give us light anymore. You know, the, the Lord's light, he will be the light of this area, this place, the, the city of New Jerusalem, uh, a place of peace. It's just, I envision a place of peace and and when I think of that, you know, and, and in the song, you know, we sing hallelujah, uh, praising God, you know, and, and, we, and, I, and I paint a picture of how the, in, in, in the kingdom of God, how the angels are going to be singing this song and the children are just going to be, you know, God's children are going to be singing. They're going to be joyful. I mean, to me, it's just a, a song of peace, a, a song of worship. Um, you know, it is one of the songs, I mean, most of all of our songs are on Chava Messianic Radio. But, uh, you know, sometimes I'll see Downpour has been downvoted on that song. And I, and I kind of wonder myself, other than maybe a particular style, if you don't like the style, how in the world could somebody possibly downgrade a song that honors God in such a way? 
uh, is beyond me. I, I, I really, I, I mean, when I listen to artists on Chabad Messianic Radio, if, if I don't like it, I just don't do nothing. You know, I just let it play and, and go on with it. But I'm not going to downgrade a song because if it's honoring God and it's a certain style, I want that song to be exalted whether I like it or not. So just kind of a little rant as far as that's concerned. <laughs> But uh, I, yeah, New Jerusalem to me, it, it to me, it just it really speaks volumes to me. I just I love the song, and uh, when we play it live, it usually speaks a lot to a lot of people out there. Okay, well we'll play the song uh, New Jerusalem. It's on uh, Downpour's album Pierce of Darkness, and the album is available on thedownpourband.com. And then is it Facebook.com/slash/thedownpourband? Yeah, yeah, Facebook.com/forward/slash/thedownpourband. Uh, yeah, that, that's that's how you get to our fan page, and of course, like you said, our website, thedownpourband.com. Okay, well, it's great to talk to you, and thanks for sticking through this uh, exhaustive interview. And, and man, I just want to I want to say uh, something to everybody out there and to you. Uh, first of all, to you, uh, David, man, it, I'm glad to see people like you doing things like this to encourage uh, people to listen to newer music or or to you know to listen to open up to newer ideas in the messianic movement to a a newer generation that's coming up and about you know we need more people proactive doing things like this and and I uh, and I just want to bless you for for doing what you do man and taking the time to do obviously what you love to do and uh it's just it's awesome that you you take that time to do it you know and, and I just want to speak a blessing over you and you know and everybody out there who who might be listening to this podcast too I want to Speak a blessing over them as well. You know, may, may the Lord bless you, keep you, shine His face upon you, and, and grant you His peace. Over, over all, may He grant you His peace that you can live life abundantly through His Son, Yeshua. Wow, excellent. Okay, well, it's great to talk to you. Awesome, man. Okay. the 
Thank you for listening to the Messianic Media Podcast. Like us on facebook.com slash messianicmedia. Send any comments to messianicmedia at gmail.com and you can subscribe to us on iTunes.